Welcome to the 16th Man Podcast, the brownest basketball podcast out there. I'm your host, Nathan Reddy, alongside with Vasu Rao and Vasu. We did our initial preview podcast like two weeks ago, but I was lazy mm-hmm. and just uploaded it, uploaded it recently, so check that out. Um, but we got a lot to talk about. We're about seven games into the NBA season. I know you got a lot of Celtics thoughts. How are you feeling right now? Uh, I'm pretty excited. The season's been pretty exciting so far, a lot of great games. Um, I think we have a lot to go over in terms of the storylines. There's been some people that have been you know, great and exciting to watch. There's been some disappointing players and teams. Um, yeah, so I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, so let's let's just get into straight into it with the real storyline happening right now. Steph Curry, 62 points. I wasn't watching the game, but you were, and then you texted me mm-hmm. after the third, like, you have to check this out. Steph Curry has 45. I put it on, it, and it lived up to the hype. Yeah, so the amazing thing about that game was that well, there's a couple things. So first of all, for anybody that hasn't heard about it yet, Steph Curry dropped a career-high 62 points on the Portland Trailblazers in what was kind of just a Steph versus Dame uh, game. So it was the – and honestly, the Golden State defense did a pretty good job against uh, Dame. They ran him off the three-point line really hard. They made him – be more of a either a facilitator or a slasher, which he's great at, but we know his best skill is from behind the three-point arc, just very similar to Steph. He kind of um, started uh, kicking to gear, though, in that third quarter when mm-hmm. Steph and Dame were going back. I mean, in that fourth quarter when Steph and Dame were just going back and forth, matching each other shot for mm-hmm. shot. Yeah, it was it was absurd. Um, and Dame, I think, had, had 30-something, like 35 on the game, something like that. He had a lot. But I think we talked about something similar to this a long time ago. We said, who's the next guy that can put up like 80? Or is there anybody that can surpass Kobe's 81 in a game? And we didn't, neither of us really said Steph because um, we're like, he doesn't get to the line enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mostly if you're going to get to that level, like that many points in a game, you kind of have to be somebody like Harden or something like that that goes to the line a lot. Yeah, Devin Booker. Uh, li- we like saw Kobe. Get close. Like, like Booker. Um, exactly. Steph in this game had a career high in free throw attempts, right? He got to the line the most he's ever gotten to, and it wasn't, it, it wasn't uh, by chance or by luck or anything. Most of the game, he was actually getting most of his points by driving to the cup not not the way LeBron drives to the cup. It's more of a uh more of a handles and more of a finesse mm-hmm. thing. But either way, getting to the cup the way Steph does, um being in just full attack mode most of the game and getting fouled at, at the rim and getting a lot of points at the free throw line and a lot of incredible finishing. So that recipe is something that we really haven't seen Steph do before and that's why I think neither of us really thought he was capable of that. What I saw last night kind of changes my opinion on that. He's like, whoa, maybe maybe Steph can. He just decided. I mean, it it makes sense that he didn't do it before because he had Clay and KD for a couple of seasons with him on the floor. Now that he's the unquestioned number one scorer that's going to have to carry them if they're going to win any games this year, he just decided to be in attack mode all game long, getting to the line, and that's how he got 62 points. It like it was a clinic from 3 because it always is. Mm-hmm. But 8 for 16. Uh but honestly it wasn't just that. 8, eight for that that's 24 out of the 62 points that he had from from 3. The rest was all at the rim or at the free throw line, which is pretty pretty uh crazy to be saying about Steph. Yeah, so the the thing with Steph Curry in the past is he never got opportunities like this because mm-hmm. he never really was in the game when he was putting up insane numbers in the fourth quarter. 
I mean, he had that 13-3 game, but he sat for most of the fourth quarter that game. Klay Thompson had that 60-point game that was in three quarters. They were up on teams so much, but as you said, now they don't have Klay. They don't have Kevin Durant. Steph Curry is the offense right now, and if you just look at mm-hmm. his his last, let's see, one, two, his last four games, 36 points, 31 points, 26 points, then you get the 62-point game. He's taking a lot yeah. of shots, but he's also making a lot of shots, and the thing is, this is going to happen throughout the year. I, I, we said this at the beginning of the season. We thought there may be a chance for Steph Curry to win the scoring title this year because there's all yeah, this hard stuff going on that we don't know exactly what his future is going to be. It's very much in play this year. Yeah, not just the scoring title. I guess what I was saying early on was, or in the in the preview episode, was Steph has a chance to have one of those Kobe, James Harden, Michael Jordan type seasons where mm-hmm. he's l- literally putting up 35-plus a game. Uh, he started a little slow, which is why his – Averages are just like a little lower than he's still you would leading like the league to be. If that's what you're, he's still leading the league in points. Makes yeah. sense with sixty-two points in in a small sample size. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the joke was that the first two games he had braids, and then he got rid of the braids, and he started God. dropping like thirty-eight a game. Um, yeah, thank God. They, they just look bad uh, on Steph. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, they they did not look good on Steph. But point being, Steph, like this is what has to happen for the Warriors to have an offense, to have a chance to win. And it will happen because Steph's good enough for it to happen a lot. And, you know, he could he could be the scoring title. And and even I think the MVP, like, isn't out of the question as of right now. And, it isn't, but it would be you know, tough. We could see it happening. I think he'd have to get this team close to a four or five seed, which seems pretty unrealistic yeah. at this point. Yeah, true. No, it definitely seems unrealistic. But if we talk about some of the other things uh, going for the Warriors right now, um, James Wiseman, the rookie, he's actually, I think you were saying it, uh, if you want to talk about him a little bit, surprisingly good. Yeah. Uh, they have some other pieces who are who, who can definitely contribute. Oubre, Oubre will could not be, better. be this bad. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's also important to note that Draymond Green came back uh, two games ago so right. he's he's still getting in the mix and that's a valuable piece I mean it's not going to help you a ton scoring he scored one point on the season in the first two games mm-hmm. but defense I mean this team does is not a good defense defensive team without him they get more to an average sort of state with him which is important because Steph Curry can give you an above average offense on his own mm-hmm. he's not James Harden he's not going to carry this team but what he does and what you'll see as roles start to develop because none of these guys played with Steph Curry really last year. He only played in, I think, seven games. So yeah, they didn't nothing. get didn't play. used to him. Steph Curry is the easiest player to play off of in the NBA for a reason. So everyone's mm-hmm. going to get better. I think Andrew Wiggins, who hasn't played great, has had his moments and he'll continue to play better. This team seems like they're going to be contending for a playoff spot. I'm just not sure if they're going to be contending for home court in the first round right yeah yet to be seen but but it's going to be a lot of fun I'm excited to watch Golden State games again uh I want to talk about the Suns next because we talked about them in our preview pod how we thought they'd be good Chris Paul was a great trade but they've it's only seven games in they've exceeded expectations they're five and two they have one of the best defenses which is really surprising Mm-hmm. And they're doing it with a balanced attack. It's not just all Devin Booker. They have seven guys averaging double digits currently. What do you make of this team? Yeah, I think I, well, the obvious thing to say here, and it's obvious because it's so true, is the impact that Chris Paul has had. Uh, he He's proved it already with the Thunder last year, just being a leader of you know a good group of players and making them just just better he just makes makes teams a lot better because he's such a smart uh and experienced player i think that's the core of it anyways uh but also like they do have i think uh i only watched a little bit of some of some of like two or three of their games but it was i think cam johnson looked really good he was people don't kind talk of a about bucket 
how valuable Cam Johnson is because they look at him as being this old guy that was drafted, but he's mm-hmm. he's going to be a, an amazing three-point shooter wherever he's playing, and he's also an, a really underrated defender at his size. Yeah, I was going to say, my uh, when I whenever I watched, I felt like every time he got the ball, it was a bucket in transition. He would just, if it was like a one-on-one or, you know, running the fast break, he would just do a great job of just attacking right to the rim. I think, I don't know if he's known as an athlete. He he seemed kind of sneaky athletic to me. I, like, yeah, I didn't I really expect him, him to be. Okay, but uh, he, yeah, he then in that case, yeah, he seemed pretty like quick and, I mean, I wouldn't call him a super athlete, but the point is he attacked the rim really strong in, in transition. So yeah. he just a, a solid all-around player. I think they got a couple guys like that. Um, He's like what we not, expected of, you're going to like this, of Justin Jackson, his his twin. This is kind of what we, <laughs> we thought of Justin Jackson yeah. when he came into the league. And Cam yeah. Johnson's done that and more. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, and the, like the last thing, I was just saying this, before the pod, I might as well bring it up now. The One of the things that Chris Paul does, or one of the several, several things that Chris Paul does, is just place guys in the perfect situations to, to score uh, on offense. There's There were so many times I was watching uh, dur- during, shoot, I forget which matchup. But anyways, like Chris Paul will come off a screen and, screen and roll action type thing, and he'll just direct... A bunch of people like away from the post and before you know it he'll he'll do some in and out move with the ball and basically the result of the play will be Chris Paul has an open lane to pass and DeAndre Ayton is right under the basket with the guy sealed completely behind him hands up just like this and he catches the ball right above his head and just gives it a soft little hook and that happened like several times in I think only just a quarter or something of me watching so it's just stuff like that I think that makes the sun so lethal at, at this point they've they've got the smarts now not just skill players yeah and as I said earlier their defense really worth noting because Cam Johnson's solid DeAndre Ayton's been playing a lot better defensively ever since the beginning of last season Chris Paul we know he's going to be one of the best perimeter defenders in the league every season Mikhail Bridges, the guy out of Villanova who was supposed to be your 3 and D player, is starting to come along. The Suns team is is definitely going to be competing for a playoff spot. I think I personally think they're going to make the playoffs. I, I'm guessing you're around. Yeah, I think they'll definitely make the playoffs, and you know they they're going to scare I mean, a team it, in the first round. The early the early the early part of the season does not rule out that they could be a, a top four team. Yeah. Uh, especially it looks with like they could be what we've seen out of some of those those top teams that we thought would be a little better but it's early seven mm-hmm. games in so we'll have to yeah take a look seven but games though almost almost the tenth already actually that 72 yeah. games right yeah it is it's weird to think about like how the season's gonna we're gonna get to 30 games and be like oh wow the season's almost halfway over and it right, won't feel like yeah. it at all um I want to talk about your Boston Celtics because, Vasu, I know you got a lot of thoughts on them. You've watched a lot of Celtics basketball. I've watched some. I watched that Milwaukee game. I watched um, I watched them play on uh, – wait, was that the Christmas game? Or is that the – no, no. I watched one other game, uh, I forget. But uh, anyways, the Celtics look like they're going to be good, but I know you got a lot of thoughts on their stars. Yeah, so a couple things. So I watched I've watched like at least parts of every game except the game today and I think the Nets on opening night. Those are pretty much the only two I didn't watch. The Nets game was a blowout and today I think we blew out the Raptors. Um but I'll start with the things the positive things. Uh like okay, what, number 1, Peyton Pritchard. I love, 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 love Peyton Pritchard. Um, He is, okay, and you watched him a lot in college too, so I know you know about his game. So Mm -hmm. uh, let me know if these are things that you expect him, somebody like him to be good at. So one, doesn't turn the ball over. Two, he is very good at getting 
defenders on his hip, like off screens. That's something super that, smart pick and roll player. Uh, okay, nice. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, maybe nowadays, I think a lot of young point guards are coming into the league being able to do stuff like that. But that at least used to be something that that was kind of more of a veteran move. But now I think a lot of young guys are just getting really good at it early on. Yeah, it was kind Uh, of always thought of as Chris Paul's signature move where he got guys on his mm -hmm. hip and then would either do that floater or dish to a big in the lane. But yeah, a lot of guys are starting to do it and Pritchard does it well. Yeah, that's actually kind of interesting because I feel like it used to be a very top level thing and mm-hmm. now like people just saw it on on tv and everybody just learned about it that's pretty cool yeah. anyways so he really good at that he he's a good shooter and last but not least his his defense oh my god does he hawk the ball i remember this is I mean, the one thing i've kind of been surprised at i didn't think he'd be okay. this good defensively he, he he's so relentless on defense it's so unless you've got like a really really tight handle um like, you know, the best guards in this league, most of them do. But unless you've got that really, really tight handle and you're a point guard, I, like, expect Peyton Pritchard to pressure the hell out of you mm-hmm. is, is is what I'm seeing. Like, I remember against Detroit, uh, I think every time, like, Killian Hayes or something got the ball, I think he's he's Detroit's mm-hmm. rookie, nothing. They, he had, not, he, like, he couldn't do anything with the ball because Peyton Pritchard, every time he dribbled right, he was just, he was there. He beat him to the spot every single time. Uh, very disciplined, didn't reach too much, just put his body exactly where his opponent was going before his opponent could get there. Uh, just pretty impressive stuff from him. I love what I've been seeing from Grant Williams. Uh, he was already, like, who I thought of just be a very smart player, makes all these small plays that are that are really, really nice. But he's expanded his game a little more this year, I can tell already, because he's being a little more assertive on offense, whereas last year he would just catch the ball and not really even think to make a move. Now he's definitely thinking to make a move, and sometimes when he gets his opportunity, he'll throw a little jab cross, spin move in the post, just just these little things that... Go ahead. I think his rookie year was a weird transition for him because... At Tennessee, he did a lot of those um, those Draymond Green plays, those the, a lot of dirty work. He made um, pivotal plays like that, but he was their number one option on a very good Tennessee Volunteers team, where they mm-hmm. would give it to him and he would he would face up, he'd drive, he'd take threes. Then he goes to the Celtics and he's like a tenth man. He's trying to compete for minutes. He's kind of a three and D player for a lot of it. And I think he is starting to develop into that role. Yeah, so really good to see. And the third guy that I'll talk a little bit about, Robert Williams. Time the Lord. I think Time Lord, yeah. The motor was kind of a question with him before. Um, but besides that, he was kind of supposed to be like uh, uh, the sort of player DeAndre Jordan was in his prime, basically. Just, you know. Pretty good rim, rim protector, super athletic, gets uh, gets a lot of rebounds and plays really good defense and catches lobs and stuff. And he's done that. He's done that really well. So I'm really happy with all of our role players. Uh, I, I like Teague. I like... What about um, Tristan Thompson? Because I know that was a big signing. For I like team. Thompson. I like Thompson. I think Thompson's had a pretty big positive impact. One of the things that I didn't really know about him or I didn't think about it, think about too much of was his offensive rebounding. It's really valuable. Mm -hmm. He's a really good rebounder, especially on the offensive uh, glass, which has been pretty valuable for us because I think last year that was our biggest weakness was inside. And he's, he's definitely helped fix that him and Robert Williams, both Uh, Tristan Thompson said after one of the games, he's like, opposing teams aren't getting a break at the center position this year, kind of shouting himself and Robert Williams out, which was pretty cool. But yeah, so everything's been great. Um, and not that, not that Tatum hasn't been great, but, but the, only thing, <laughs> the only thing I have a problem with at this point is Jason Tatum. And, and it's, not that, it's not that he's not good. Like, look, he's still a positive for the team. But I'm I'm looking at it in terms of development for the future and how his play feeds into you know the the final goal of a, of a championship. So 
I think he still does this thing where he's only ISO every time he catches the ball. That's all he ever thinks about. And unless he has, like, an assist, and by an assist, I mean not just a normal pass, like, just you catch it on the wing and you just throw it to somebody else just in the flow of the offense, and that guy happens to score. I mean, unless he feels like he's setting somebody up f- with an assist or he's or he's just isoing, he doesn't really pass unless he's he gets stuck, and that's frustrating because a lot of players, all the guys I just named, and especially, especially Jalen Brown, a lot of times they're just kind of on the wing. I'll see Jalen Brown just set up, like, ha- has his sh- hands ready in his shot pocket and is like, hey, look, JT, I'm open. Like mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's the that's the look he has on his face. If you look, hey, Jason, Jason, like he doesn't want to like say it, but or or he doesn't want to like be annoying about it. I guess because they probably have this understanding that you know I, Tatum's gonna get his ISO looks, and that that's that, and that's all there is to it. But I'll be like, just pass him the ball. Like he's open. It, it's it's better than any shot that you're gonna get with one guy helping off of Jalen so much on you and your primary defender. There's no way you have a better shot than giving it to Jalen and letting him do whatever, like whether it's take the three or, or drive or something. That that happens still far too much. So that's why I say he hasn't really made any improvements in that apartment, which I would have liked him to. And Jalen Brown, in my opinion right now, looks like the best player on this team. His mid-range game is like enormously improved a lot of the times those same shots that he's just drilling unconsciously now those mid-range shots the one dribble pull-ups even the little turnarounds and all that he's just nailing them I used to think like maybe he's trying a little bit too hard to be like Tracy McGrady Mm -hmm. not anymore he doesn't seem to be forcing it so far it seems to be I mean it's just going in a lot so that that you know that's really good um but even his his vision seems to have gotten better I forget uh, oh yeah, no, it was it was uh, Robert Williams. So there was a couple plays. I think this was also against the Pistons. Although no, maybe not. Maybe it was the Pacers. Yeah, this this might have been a lot against the Pacers. But there was one of the games I was watching. I noticed a lot that Jalen Brown did the Harden thing, not not the dribble twenty four for twenty four seconds. Mm-hmm. The the one where you get into the lane and just throw a soft lob, lob up to Clint Capella, and yeah, yeah. there's just nothing the defense can do about it. He did that a couple times against Robert William, Williams, and I was like, wait a minute. I Jalen Brown last year wasn't wasn't doing that like mm-hmm. at all. I didn't see it that much. So improvements in vision, I've seen that from from Brown, so very happy about that. If Tatum can just learn how to how to be a little more of a willing passer, I think this team's in really good shape, especially when Kemba gets back especially then, but but even without that. Okay, so I'm pulling up Jason Tatum's uh, ISO numbers because I was yeah. I was kind of interested in your, your thoughts on that because he is a heavy ISO player, mm-hmm. and you're right. It, it's been bad this year. He's averaging 0. 0.5 points per shot or points per possession uh, this season. Which, Point, like per ISO? Yeah, per ISO. Which oh, is God. very, 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 very bad. That would be like yeah. us playing in an NBA game bad. And point five points per ISO is basically so it's like you're expected what shooting. let's say twenty five percent. Yeah, maybe even worse because some of them are threes. Well no, that would be yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I see what you mean. Yeah. So something less than twenty five percent. Yeah. Garbage, man. It's bad. And the thing with Tatum is he's he's a pretty good off ball player when he wants to play off ball. It's not like he's like Russell Westbrook or James Harden where he won't commit to that, or even Dame. He will play off-ball at times, and you see how good he is when he gets backdoor cuts. Him and Jalen Brown are deadly because they're so athletic. They're three-point threats, and then when they get to the rim, they finish everything. So I wish— Oh, I—sorry. I, sorry, I, sorry to cut you off, mm-hmm. but, but I need to, I need to correct, correct you on something. Um, or maybe not correct. I need to see if you might be wrong. You might want to check the numbers on— Jason Tatum's finishing, but I don't think they can be that good because the, he smokes a lot of layups. Jalen Brown okay. is is like by far the better finisher. At, like this is I've never checked the numbers on this, so this is just based on what I've been seeing. But I feel like Jalen Brown attacks the cup. He finishes 
like a very high percentage of the time. He like people don't want to get in front of him finishing. It, Tatum, he tries to do like like th- this cute stuff and like he goes up kind of weak and even when he doesn't I, like there'll be a lot of times he goes up lefty and he just like it goes like he bounces high off the glass and like b- like over the rim onto the other side and just completely misses. I'll see that a lot and I'll be like, "Wait, what? Like what was that?" So Okay, so I do yeah, have what are numbers. the numbers. And mm-hmm. I mean, okay, I don't know if any either of us are really right. They're they're solid. They're not bad. Definitely. Okay. 60% this year, 62% last year, 68% two years ago, 63%. So around that 60% range, I think 60 okay. to 70% is where you expect to be. Can uh, you pull up Jalen Brown? I, I can pull up Jalen Brown. Okay. I'm just curious to see the comparison. But But 60 is honestly... Like, that's not, like, crazy high or anything, right, at the it's, rim? It's good. Yeah, Jalen Browns are high. Yeah. It's 75% this year, 70% last year, 66% yeah. two years ago. <laughs> 75 this year, right? Yeah, I mean, that's a much smaller sample size. I swear, size dude. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it is, but, but I'm telling you, in this small sample size, Jalen Brown is it, man. He, he is well, – well, look, okay, he's still not – like, I, I wouldn't give him the ball if you have, like – a second left on the shot clock or like in the game and you just need Mm -hmm. some crazy one-on-one type that's like that's Tatum's thing so I'll give Tatum that but literally everything else passing he has the edge finishing he has the edge shooting because of shot selection again it's not Mm -hmm. it's not that he's an overall better shooter but honestly, his mid range is pretty close to just as good I I would guess maybe you can fact check me on that too so Vasil I was going to yeah. say this. You're going to love this. <laughs> yeah. His mid-range shooting. One, let's start with uh, the percentage of shots he's taking. He's only taking 9% from short mid-range and 15% from longer mid-range shots, which is – that is a solid amount. Like, you don't want to be taking too many, but he's also right. mixing it in a little bit. It's about – it's less yeah. than a quarter of his shots. He's shooting 83% That's what stars do. on short yeah, mid-range. He's shooting 83% yeah. on short mid-range. 75% on longer mid-range shots. Yes. Yes, dang right he is. Yeah, that that's that lines up very well with what I've been what I've been watching. So good thing my eyes are good not job. lying. Good to job. Me. That's Golf good clap coming. Yeah. <laughs> but no like that's pretty crazy, isn't it? Like that, that's that's either just fluke through 7 games uh I I hope it's not. I don't think it is. It looks like real improvement in that aspect of his game. But like I said, basically besides taking, you know, the, a tough last shot of a game or a quarter or shot clock or something, I give Jalen Brown the edge in every department in the game. Defense, finishing, mid-range, three. Because mm-hmm. of shots, shot selection. Like Tatum will be attempting these sidestep threes that he's granted like he's decent at. But just way too much, way too early in the shot clock all the time just because he thinks, like, I don't know. Because, okay, look, I don't know. I can't comment on what he's actually thinking. That would be... Uh, yeah, I don't think that would, <laughs> that would be, be accurate. That would be pretty beyond me. If, yeah, it probably wouldn't be accurate. But but the point is, well, I guess I don't know what he's thinking because, like... That is, There's that is really even Rao's insight. He does not know what Jason Tatum <laughs> is thinking at this moment. He may be eating a sandwich. We're not quite sure, but it may have lettuce on it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Point stands. All I, right. I think your, I'm ready your to move on. Point though is true that Jason. I think Jason Tatum. What he what he does best is when he's working alongside players. When he's getting dribble handoffs. When he's getting into pick and roll action. When he's isoing, it's. It doesn't get the best out of the team, and it definitely doesn't get the best out of Tatum. I just want to say this quickly uh, because we talked about this before we got on. There is sort of – I feel like you're hinting at like a mini Kyrie sort of situation, not necessarily the player dynamic, but the play style. Yeah, so I think what I worry about is that the on-court stuff with Tatum – and only that so far is is turning into something I was uh, pretty against in the Kyrie era in Boston. Like it was, it was the same sort of stuff. Just 
holding the ball at at the wrong times too much, like going ISO when you don't need to, when it would be better to get these really, really, really talented basketball players you have right next to you involved in the game. Uh, keep the ball moving. Remember, you you work... If the ball is working really hard, as in if the ball is moving a lot, that means you're moving less. You're you're working mm-hmm. less hard. I could have phrased that better, I feel like. But but you are doing less work if the ball is moving more. So it's just smarter in every respect. It's not like – look, it's not a one-man show type situation. So you don't need to do that unless it's, you know, these – last second shots otherwise yeah you come off a screen you shoot these open shots i won't get upset with somebody missing open shots which i feel like he's been doing some of too but you know besides the point that's just Mm -hmm. i might just be hating at that point if i got on him for that because i know he's a good shooter but but yeah it's just i think just he's got to fix it up here it's it's being a being smarter with with the ball and choosing your spots more yeah, I mean, the overarching concerns are that he's so young. You don't want him to develop these bad habits because you want him at 26, 27 to be one of the candidates for MVP and one of those guys that leads your team to the title. He's not quite there yet. Yeah. He's on the fringe of that, yeah. but he's not quite there yet. Uh, yeah. I'll just add, though, I'm not too worried even if he never becomes that because for the first time in his career, I think – there's a chance that Jalen Brown could become that. I'm pretty happy oh, about that. Oh, wow. So, okay. Yeah, I like. I actually think that's okay. a possibility now. All right, we're going to have to see. I think, uh, I'm going to be looking I think we got we that. got two potentials. That's good. You could have yeah. sort of that, that 1A, 1B combination, that one-two punch, which we know that that's so valuable in the league. It's all right. over the league. Uh, let's yeah. move on and talk about our biggest surprise. Um, we'll just gloss over this because I think we have – fairly similar ones uh mine's the suns we talked about them Mm -hmm. they've been great uh they they look like a more mature team that's really all i have to say yeah i mean we already talked about them before so not much to add but but yeah they just look like they grew up and uh building off of one i guess the the bubble and all the success they had there, and two, having Chris Paul now. It's just, it's changed them for sure. They're not the same team. Yeah, and growing up kind of fits in with your team. Yeah, I said my biggest surprise was the 76ers, and I didn't really think the Doc Rivers signing for, you know, as their head coach made that much sense at the time. And again, it's a very small sample size so far. And I am still skeptical of the Sixers, but... They are the number one seed in the East. Uh, I haven't watched them play that much, so I can't comment um, too much on, on the play style, but winning speaks, speaks for itself. And your point, I remember, was that Doc, being a player's coach, mm-hmm. could help uh, the idea of somebody being accountable, which we know has been a problem in Philadelphia, the whole Jimmy Butler thing and everything. So, so yeah, they seem – it looks like it's working so far. Uh, we'll see what happens, but they're my biggest surprise so far. I didn't expect them to be the one seed even seven games in. Yeah, I thought they'd be improved, but um, they do look like they're gelling better. Embiid's been phenomenal. Tobias Harris has looked really good. Ben Simmons, we still mm-hmm. want him to take more threes. He's not taking enough. I think he's only taking yeah. one this season. Uh, but the Doc effect is definitely – working i mean we saw it with the clippers before pg and Kawhi got there they just play like an older team they play like a veteran team with that doc rivers yeah. presence the question is going to be how does this translate in the playoffs and that's where i want to see it happen because ben simmons and joel Embiid, they don't really work together we've seen it for now three years it hasn't worked yet they've won what two playoff rounds in three years and for the amount of talent that's on yeah. a team, they should they should be a conference finals team every season. I, I I'm yeah. still waiting for what um, what the front office and is gonna do with that situation because they're gonna have to trade one of those guys at some point. Yeah, and I think Daryl Morey is is like either either he's smart enough to know that or he's smart enough to come up with you know the put the perfect players because if you don't have 
the ideal point guard Ben Simmons center Joel Embiid combination. You just need snipers. Like you guys, you kind of need do it all guys as the other three, and you need the perfect ones, and you need a really deep bench. So I think I trust Daryl Morey. I think he's proven himself um, so far. But I think your point was right about the postseason. That's when teams can mm-hmm. game plan over seven games for two players that don't mesh that well together. So you can kind of try and take one of them out of the game when they're on the floor together. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think Maury kind of did that. I mean, with some of the offseason moves, I think the Seth Curry trade really stands out. They gave up Josh Richardson, mm-hmm. who's a better asset than Steph Cur- Seth Curry. But... Seth Curry is needed more on this team because Seth Curry is going to be one of the best three-point shooters every single season. He's going to shoot about 45% from three, which is what this team needs and what this team has lacked in the past, especially with J.J. Redick leaving the team last year. Yeah, he looks pretty good, by the way. Seth is, I think, at 16 a game right now, something like that. So uh, Let me pull it up. Seth um, Curry, yeah, 16. Oh, my God, his shooting is insane. 56 from the field, 51 from three. Man, man. Yeah, it'll it'll go down to like forty six, but still, that's insane. Yeah, he's gonna yeah. put up forty five, forty six percent from three this season, and we should just pencil hey, that hey, in. Hey, like sixteen a game. Shout out to Seth Curry. Sixteen a game is like you're like a really, really good NBA player at, at like on those efficiency numbers too. That's uh, good for him because there was a while like at the beginning of his career where we weren't even sure if like he it well it didn't look like he would stick stick around in the league for too long. I think the Mavs got everything they possibly could out of Seth Curry because mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna pull up his initial contract, but I believe it was like two years, six million dollars, and they got two great years out of him. Then they re-signed him for let me hear I have it pulled up. Uh, they got two years. Yeah, six million for him. He leaves the team, signs with Portland, plays great with Portland. Uh, in was it two years ago? So twenty eighteen, the Dame playoffs. Uh, then he comes back four year, thirty two million dollar deal, which I feel like that's he's still kind of underpaid with that money. He should be getting like twelve to fifteen million dollars with the production he provides. And then they trade him for Josh Richardson, who seems like a great fit alongside uh, Luka Doncic. I, I, I don't know what else the Mavs could have asked for. Yeah, yeah. No, he, Seth Seth did them very well. I guess they did him really well, too, though. So mm-hmm. went both ways. So speaking of the Mavs, that kind of connects with my biggest disappointment. I got a couple. I'm going to start with my first mm-hmm. one. That's a guy that we were really high on. You were like out of this world you were up in i don't know saturn about yeah luka Doncic has been bad and yeah i, I think the shooting jumps up the most the fact that he's shooting 16 percent from three is really terrible especially because of the volume he's taking but he hasn't looked good yeah. this season and the mavs really haven't looked great this season yeah i think i I expect uh I expect this to just bounce back. I expect him to start going back to last year numbers in production and play quality. I'm that that's just what I think at this point. I see no reason to believe that Luca's like it it's similar to what like we thought with Ubre, like he's not really a 16 or whatever percent three-point shooter. I don't think Luca's really a uh, what was the number? 16. 16 okay, yeah. Lucas is 16. Yeah, I don't think he's really a 16% shooter. It's it's a little disappointing, though, because we were hoping that um, shooting would... Be, like, three-point shooting especially would be something that he takes the next leap in, which, yeah, you know, he hasn't done. So it's it's like... It's one of those things where he you, you didn't start strong on something you definitely would have liked to start strong on, but I don't think that necessarily means it's just going to be a terrible three-point shooting season like all the way through. He's his other numbers, they're not they're not bad. They're actually quite good uh for most players. It's just not what it's just not as great as maybe mm-hmm. I expected or a lot of people expected. It's like 24.5 points a game. 
Uh, he's getting 7.6 boards, 6.4 assists. So these are just really good all-round numbers. And but it's the regression more than anything. Right. It's it's the regression that that kind of stinks right now, if you're a fan, I guess. The good news is that like while his finishing hasn't been as good as last season where I think he was the best player around the rim or one of the best players around the rim, he shot 75% around the rim, which is incredible. He's... They're, they're not bad. They're 63% around the rim, 52% on that floater sort of range, which is a shot that he takes a lot. It's really three-point shooting that's just been completely disastrous. I, I want to see if yeah. some of those passing and rebounding numbers go up, but this does seem like just an early early struggles, really. Yeah, I, and as a fan, I, I hope it's a slump, and I have no reason to really believe that it won't be a slump, so we'll see. Lucy, what are some of your biggest disappointments during the season? Uh, besides, my one of mine was Luka. The other one was the Nuggets. These are, like, it's a pretty early season, young season, so I haven't seen all the teams yet. I haven't seen too much of the Nuggets, but I think it's easy to say that they're a disappointment because they're 2-4, and four, mm-hmm. uh, and we... We were both very high on the Nuggets going into this year. I definitely thought they would, and I think they still will be competing for a four seed or a top four seed in this Western Conference. Mm-hmm. Um, I expect them to be better. Uh, if you've have you seen any of their their games so yeah, far? Yeah, I watched that Clippers game, um, and they they didn't look great. I I think the biggest okay. problems with them though are defensively. Because right now they're 29th in defensive rating. And if you look at their roster, I don't really see where the answers are. Because Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumlee, they're not incredibly impactful, but they're really solid defensive players that were valuable assets. This season, it's kind of Gary Harris, and that's it. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. has played a lot more minutes this season. Offensively, he's been phenomenal. He's shooting the lights out of the ball. He's going to give you nothing defensively at this point. He's he's a negative. Still, huh? Yeah. Jamal Murray. Mm. He hasn't been bubble Jamal Murray, but 24 points per game. He's been shooting great. Nikola Jokic, he's been insane offensively. He's averaging a triple-double right now. Oh, but, is he? Yeah. No way. 22, wow. okay. 22 points, 13 assists, 11 rebounds. He's been <laughs> godly. He's averaging 13 assists. Yeah. Wow, wow, that's yeah. news to me. Yeah. He's averaging more. I feel like every- he's a center who's averaging a triple double mm-hmm. with assists, rebounds, and points, and he's averaging more assists than rebounds yeah. on the triple double. That's wow, that's something else. That's something yeah. else. And uh, with Jokic, <laughs> I feel like every night when I'm just scrolling through Instagram, I just see the Denver Nuggets score, and I'll see that they lost, and I'll be like, what what did Jokic do? And then I see 29-11-8, and I'm like, how are they losing these games? Jeez. And it's all, it looks like it's all defense at this point because they are one of the best offensive teams in the league. They're third in offensive rating, but 29th mm-hmm. in defensive rating. And maybe, maybe that kind of evens out. Mike Malone's a defensive coach, but we know even last season in the bubble, they had defensive struggles, especially in those – those regular season games to end the year and then a little bit early in the playoffs i mean the jazz were were torching them early they they fixed some things but it, it wasn't perfect in the playoffs right and if you don't have the strongest interior defense like you know jokic is is not gobert or anything he's mm-hmm. not the strongest interior guy you got to have a like really really solid guys on your perimeter and if you're having like you said, you lost Jeremy Grant. You have Michael Porter Jr. who's in negative. Jamal Murray, who's uh, maybe neutral, something around that, on defense. Then it's not going to look really good on that end. So we'll see what happens. I'll try to watch some more Nuggets so I can talk about them more and you know just watch some of the teams I haven't watched yet. Um, but but you expect this to turn around though, right? I don't expect the Nuggets to miss the playoffs. No, no, not at all. I I do have some some major concerns though because I don't know how much the defense can recover to being like even an average defensive team and if they want to make a run in the playoffs they have to be at least an average defensive team they they have so you think 
good. They have the pieces offensively. I, 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 I'm worried about their defense, though. You think they're one of the teams that tries to make some in-season trades to just bolster their defense a little bit? Uh, I could see them making trades. I don't know if it's specifically for their defense. I know they've been rumored as a potential Harden team. I really hope that doesn't happen because he just doesn't fit well with this team at all. Oh, God, no. That would be terrible. Terrible, terrible. No, no. That's like one of the few teams that I I just hate Harden for. I could see them making a run for like a guy like Otto Porter Jr., who's on his final year of his deal with the Bulls. Mm. A very good 3D player that could add at a lot of good value for this team for one season. Like those sort of trades where maybe you flip uh, a Gary Harris and one of these young guys, maybe like Bull Bull, and try to get a good 3 and D player that you can use for a season. Hey, does Bull Bull need to get more playing time? What do you think? I feel uh, like every time he plays, he's amazing, and he doesn't get playing time when it when it matters. Do you think that's... The problem is we've really only seen him in preseason. Even, uh, didn't he play during the bubble? He played a little, but he didn't do much. I, I'd like okay. to see him more. Like, that's the okay. That's the easy answer. I, 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 yeah, because, I mean, I figured, like, he must not be that great in practice if he's not getting serious minutes, because mm-hmm. otherwise they could definitely use a tall guy that can knock down outside shots and also play amazing interior defense. Like, that's definitely something that would be good for the Nuggets. Yeah, I think the worry with him is just that he's still so skinny. And he uh, he could get just bullied inside by even, like, Dwight Howard. And that's a problem. Could he? Wouldn't Would, would he not just... Unless, like... Look, I, like, I guess if you got him, like, really, really deep in the post, then sure. But if it's remotely outside, if he can do a decent job of not letting people get insanely good position... He's just so tall and lanky that he's gonna, he's gonna create, he like problems for shot, mm-hmm. uh, shot takers and creators and everything. He hasn't gotten the opportunity yet. Also, the the shortened off season and training camp definitely hurt mm-hmm. guys like him that would have gotten the chance to test out different lineups that Mike Malone just didn't have the opportunity to do this season. And Bulbul would have been. He would have been fun to see alongside Jokic because he could have been that yeah. big interior guy while also being able to stretch it while Jokic is doing his point point center sort of things. Right, like imagine that that, that you could legitimate, legitimately run, I mean potentially, like if Bobo lives up to what, what we're saying right now, but mm-hmm. potentially run an, run an offense through Jokic and one of your other major pieces would be Bull Bull. Like a 4-5 punch is very outdated at this point, but this is like the only it situation. It would kind of be like the I, modern, uh, modern Ralph Samson, Hakeem Olajuwon, Twin Tower sort of situation. It would exa- It would be exactly like that. So I mean, okay, no, it wouldn't yeah, be okay, exactly it wouldn't, like that. But it, uh, it would be, yeah, it would be like that. Similar. I, I think that's, that's the thing with watching Michael Porter Jr. last year that we, we mm-hmm. saw th- those glimpses. And we wanted to see it more, and mm-hmm. we got to see it in the bubble, and now we're seeing it more, and we're seeing how Michael Porter Jr. really adds to this team. Bull Bull could be that next mm-hmm. piece. The Nuggets do this where they find these guys, and they develop them. They did that with Jokic. They got lucky with Jamal Murray falling to them, and mm-hmm. it looks like they might have another guy. I'm just I, – I need to see more. I haven't seen nearly enough yet. Yeah, I, I, I do want to see more of Bull Bull, though. But regardless, I think they turn it around make it to the playoffs. But if especially if what you said is right, I guess we we kind of both agree then that maybe maybe it's time to see what Bull Bull can do for them. Yeah, especially since they don't have Mason Blumley this year to back up Jokic. Yeah. Uh, my last team I want to talk about is the Toronto Raptors. I know you're not as as surprised as I am, but they, they've they been really disappointing to start this season. They're one and four. Pascal Siakam's looked horrible. And I, I wonder if this team is just going to go into a rebuild soon because they're definitely not competing for the Eastern conference. They, they're probably going to get in to the playoffs, but maybe like a six seed. It, it's just, I don't love a lot with this team. 
right now, and I don't know how they improve. Yeah, so I think it is kind of a good situation for somebody like Kawhi Leonard to be in. You know, like if Kawhi Leonard, if you add somebody like him, just an absolute alpha player to that team, I think they're, you know, contending for, uh, you know, they're contending in the playoffs, maybe not necessarily for the finals, but you never know. Because they have, like, a lot of pieces that are good. I don't think Siakam is really a number one guy. Fred Van Vliet's kind of... Yeah, I I think Van Vliet's been their best player this year, and he's definitely not somebody that you can have in a number one role. He's really, really, really good, but that doesn't mean that he's going to be able to carry an offense um, like you need your best player to. So I I agree. I don't really know where they go. I think it looks like eventually it'll be a rebuild, but I, I don't know how they get there with the the players that they, they just have on their team right now. They can't just get rid of everybody for nothing. So we'll see what happens. But I don't expect them to, to not make the playoffs, though. I think they'll still make the playoffs. Like, Siakam's a good player. We know he's pretty good. Kyle so I, I don't think a very good player. Yeah, Lowry's a good player. Like, Van Bleet's been good. Um, so far, he's going to keep being good this season. So they have some good players. I think they'll make the playoffs. I don't really expect them to get far at all, but mm-hmm. we'll see. I weirdly think that Fred Van Fleet's contract kind of killed this team because he deserves mm. all of the $20 million. I mean, if you watched him last year and you watched him in the playoffs in 2018, he deserves that money. He was uh, he was phenomenal, but it, it takes away – some guys that you could have had. You could have had Serge Ibaka back with that money. You could have potentially brought Marcus Saul back also. Instead, they had to settle for Aaron Baines, and that's Aaron Baines was solid last year. He's not what Serge Ibaka can give you, especially in the playoffs. Not even close. And that's the problem because Siakam's just not as good this year, and Van Fleet hasn't been as good this year to start. I I don't see this team as a 45-win team which would equate to about 50 wins this season. I'll I'll ask you this, though. I don't think that, honestly, ever since Kawhi left, though, don't you think it, unless they got another star, wasn't it kind of just going down anyways? Because, look, if they let Van Vliet go and they get Ibaka, they sign Ibaka, let's say that's what happens. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that's in terms of wins, they're in a super different situation because you address some some weaknesses, but you also lost some strengths. Like, like who's you, who are your shooters now? Like, Fred, Fred, Fred Van Vliet kind of carries the shooting load for that team from outside. Uh, so I, I don't know that they're in too much of a better position. I think they just lost so much with Kawhi. And yes, they were a good team, but if you don't have... Siakam performing at that level and you had to lose one of those other really important pieces then I I just don't really know that they could have kept it going yeah that's fair it's also worth noting though that Nick Nurse is one of the best coaches in the league he he had answers for the Celtics like that should have been a four or five game series that went to seven games I think he'll start to figure things out as the season goes on they they don't feel like a better team though than Indiana, in my opinion. Yeah, Indiana's looked pretty good. They I think they played against the Celtics too already, so I've seen them. They uh they look they they don't look the same as last year, but but it's the same type of stuff, like just gritty team. They they play well together. Oladipo a lot of people contribute. Been Oladipo's in. been I think better, right, than than he was last 20 year. 20 points, uh 6 boards, 4 assists. So he's kind of back shooting. to that all-star form that he yeah, used to be at. It's not as much volume, but yeah, he's putting up similar type numbers. Mhm. And uh What's his name? Brogdon. Brogdon's real. Oh, Sabonis. Sabonis. Oh, my God. Sabonis is... Okay, I, I don't know. I haven't seen enough of them. I was going to say he's their best player, but... He might be. But like, he's insane. They have three three slash four guys. I'll put TJ Warren in as that fourth guy. That could be their mm-hmm. best player. Yeah. Well, well, hey, let's just... Okay, it's three. Three. 
TJ Warren, come on. TJ, I wouldn't, TJ I, I wouldn't ever say TJ Warren's better than any of those other okay, three yeah, guys. Like maybe on, on on like one night, a couple nights, maybe. But the other three, it's like a real debate. Like I'm not, I'm not positive that Oladipo is better than the other two, or Sabonis, or, or Brogdon. Yeah, it's kind of just like, dang, these are Wait, three really, really turn. good players. What are you talking about? You you said TJ Warren. No, I was talking about I'm in the top three. I meant like I wasn't including Sabonis. Oh. Yeah, it was Miles Turner. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, TJ McConnell, it's Victor funny. Oladipo. That, that was my <laughs> top three. Okay. Uh, any more teams you want to talk about? Um, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. So for disappointments, also the Miami Heat have to be in there for me. Uh, oh yeah, that, I that Bucks game was very bad. They got mauled just destroyed by the bucks the bucks made i think an absurd number of threes i forget exact 29 threes is that a record yeah nba record nba of course it is i feel like the nba record for most threes in a game just goes up like all the time nowadays this happens in the playoffs Um, too all the time yeah so i i mean it's like nothing crazy, but it's also crazy because it's 29 threes mm-hmm. in a game. Um, it, it wasn't only that game, although that that was probably the biggest scary like sign that makes you nervous if you're a Heat fan. I think they lost the Magic uh, on opening night too. Which was yeah, they loss. they have some pretty bad losses uh, already. They don't like I haven't watched them too much, so I can't say for sure. But they just don't look like. That team in the bubble that had uh, insane chemistry, everybody's stepping up at the right moments, making the right plays. Um, I'm also again, I'm not super worried yet. I'll, like, let's see what happens. It's very early in the season. Uh, they're they along with the Lakers have had the shortest off season, so you know it could be a number of things right now. Not super worried, but. You know, they're on the clock. They got to turn this around. They you can't make the finals and then look like this, get getting blown out by fifty. And Jimmy's been atrocious. I mean, eight points per game. He's only played three games, but eight points per game, thirty-two percent shooting, hasn't made a three this season. They they have definite problems, and that's not even including their jerseys. I mean, did you see those things? They those were awesome. Oh, those what are you talking horrible. about? Horrible. What? Those? That's probably the one thing they have going for them. No, I first off. Wow. They, they Wait, like, which jerseys? What are you talking? The, the vice with jerseys. Like two different colors. Did you see that? Oh today? my god, dude! Yeah, those are gorgeous. Those are so. What's so wrong with ugly. you? Oh man. Really? Oh my god! Hard disagree. They they're like blending into the court. It looks like they're wearing camo for the court. No, no, that ah, just. Just, yeah, hard, hard disagree. Okay, all right. Wow, I didn't think you'd have the stance. Really? Yeah, they look terrible. Let, let me... Let, let If I pulled up their Instagram, will I see those jerseys, right? Like, the Miami Heat Instagram? Uh, probably. If you go on, like, sideline sources, I feel like it'll come up. They're not good. They're, they're so bright. And that okay, that alone is pretty bad. But also, oh, they they kind of killed OKC today. By the way, that's kind of good. For yeah, them. I mean it's OKC though. Actually, if you yeah. probably go on the Miami Heat website, anyways, they're they're very bad, and I don't like their jerseys. I think they're cool. All right. I think they're pretty cool. Okay, whatever. All right. Any other teams? Any other teams you want to talk about? No, that's pretty much it. I'm I'm pretty excited for for the for this season like we've like we've talked about there's been a lot of great things happening so far a lot of things to look forward to a lot of things that haven't been so great that we definitely think could be turned around and then some things that are going bad that probably are going to stay bad but we don't care about them so yeah also all in all pretty exciting also kevin durant did test positive not tested positive sorry he was in contact with someone who tested positive, so he's going to be out for a week. That's mm-hmm. going to be an ongoing thing with this season as games have already been canceled and they're probably going to be canceled throughout the year. And we're also seeing that sort of like – they talked about this on the Warriors broadcast, the baseball series sort of thing that that like the Trailblazers had to do where they played 
the Clippers, Lakers, and the Warriors, and we're going to see that a lot throughout the NBA this year. Yeah, that uh, I know for sure that's already happened with – I think that's just kind of the format. There's like you're having – if you go to a city, you play like two games there. Like we played the Pistons twice. We played the Pacers twice. So I think a lot of, a lot of the schedule is going to be you play a team just – twice when you're in the city yeah. something like that so which interesting way of doing it but i think it's pretty smart yeah i mean you can't you kind of create these mini bubbles yeah you can't replicate the bubble but you can do things to shorten travel and also just because of the shortened season you have more opportunities and you're gonna have to do these like back-to-back same same team games uh, mm-hmm. that's all i got basu any any last thoughts before we head out uh no that that's about it like i said i'm excited to see the rest of the season we will be back soon probably sometime at the end of the week or next week so stay tuned mm-hmm. for the sue rao and nithin ready this has been the 16th man podcast mm-hmm.